KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Homegrown. A little homegrown for you. It's punk rock farmer style and radioactive tonight. I'm Laura Jones. Our show welcomes grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, DIY creatives every weeknight at six. Aldine has the weekend off. Actually, he's been off all, all August, uh, taking in his summer, going to play music in the desert, but we'll have him back a week from tonight for our 909 day, our big block party and record sale. Stick around for more details. Also coming up on the show, Al and I had a chance to Zoom with our friend McCuerta, his new book, uh, ayahuasca, the Amazon path to yourself, a South American travelogue with ayahuasca and ghosts publishes this weekend and we get a sneak peek. Plus what's fresh with Reno's Italian fresh from the market. We got some Skywatcher Leo T. Hey, Pete Saltis is here. City Weekly. How you doing? Doing great tonight, Laura. Thanks for having me don't, again. Don't tell anyone you brought me a bunch of beer. But, I won't uh, tell anybody that. Because <laughs> Beer Fest was great, right? Beer Fest was great. We always have a little bit extra to give our friends. So. All right. Well, stick around, folks. You're going to hear more about Best of Utah and the Best of Utah party that comes out of it, but only with your input. Let's start with some homegrown music on May 20th. We started off our summer with the melons in the studio, christening for the first time the brand new studios down here in the Guadalupe. So I thought, you know, on Labor Day weekend, closing out the summer, something from the melons. It's just a phase on KRCL 90.9. Cultures One Sky. Scott Watcher Liu T here as we look into the sky. Dateline Cape Canaveral. NASA engineers are zeroing in on the issues that led to the rescheduling of the Monday launch of the Artemis mission. They're gearing up for another attempt on Saturday. NASA said that a critical process to cool down the repurposed space shuttle engines that power the massive space launch system are, uh, well, hmm, that's interesting. I, I didn't know they were using shuttle engines. Hmm. I see them in the photos now. And 
Researching a bit more, I see that the SLS rocket uses four liquid-fueled engines which flew on the space shuttle before being refurbished and upgraded as well as a pair of solid rocket boosters. NASA technicians believe a faulty temperature sensor in one of the four engines was the cause of the problem and they're working on a solution in time to be ready for a two-hour launch window that happens Saturday about 12.17. Hopefully the weather will comply. And way, way out in space, astronomers believe that they have found the star-making area at the Milky Way's heart for the first time. Astronomers have reconstructed the history of star formation at the center of the Milky Way for the first time, finding what the Big Bang Theory already states, that starbirth radiated outward from the galaxy's heart. Beautiful. And back in the comfort of our own solar system around our own life-giving star, that star is getting frisky again as three solar flares produced radio blackouts and dazzling auroras. You can check the Skywatcher site for an image of the sun captured on August 29th showing a whopper of a solar flare. High solar activity was observed in the days before this and could ignite a geomagnetic storm which could give minor impacts to satellite operations, mess with grids, and give us a simple reminder that nature is in charge, not technology. Some sky watchers in the northern hemisphere have been treated to brilliant auroras thanks to the flare's coronal mass ejection interacting with the Earth's atmosphere. Hmm, well that's what an aurora is. The auroras are visible as far south as Scotland, Alberta, and Montana. And looking with our own eyes, looking up, Scorpius lies down after dark and the moon walks across it. It's very low on the south there. As you look up, you can see Antares and uh, Beta Scorpii if you can get out the telescope. Jupiter shines high in the southeast by 10, just about as big and bright as you can get with the moons in a different configuration every time you look. An hour earlier, Saturn reaches a good observing height, and the rings are fun to look at as well. Late these summer evenings, Formal Hot, the blue lonely star, makes its appearance above the southeast horizon below Saturn. As many cultures, one sky on the eastern seaboard of the United States of America, the people who designed the model for the Constitution, the Iroquois, their creation myth. Long before the world was created, there was an island floating in the sky upon which the sky people lived. They lived quietly and happily. No one ever died or was born or experienced sadness. However, one day, one of the sky women realized she was going to give birth to twins. She told her husband, who flew into a rage. In the center of the island, there was a tree which gave light to the entire island, since the sun had not been created. He tore up this tree, creating a huge hole in the middle of the island. Curiously, the woman peered through the hole. Far below, she could see the waters that covered the earth. At that moment, her husband pushed her. She fell through the hole, tumbling toward the waters below. Water animals already existed on Earth so far below the floating island. Two birds saw the Sky Woman fall. Just before she reached the waters, they caught her on their backs and brought her to the other animals. They saved her. So look up, look around, and get lost in space and have a little bit of hope. Skywatcher Leo T. Skywatcher Leo T. Thank you so much. I hope that this uh, launch goes off tomorrow. Want to see us get back to the moon? You're listening to Radioactive. It's Bunk Rock Farmer Friday. Joining me now for rallies and resources, we got Pete Saltis from City Weekly. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks again. I had your dad here last week talking about big numbers for your best of. It's a it's a issue that everyone looks forward to participating in to to put in all the votes and all the nominations and then the big party a yeah. couple um, a month and a half or so from now. So voting is open till the nineteenth, mm-hmm. and you've got a new partner to help you expand and amount of categories and the ways people can vote. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're a local company. We use them for some of our our digital aspects of CityWeekly.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends to follow they've been awesome and new new programs for media companies newspapers like ours in particular so they have a best of software where we were using google survey for a long time this made it a lot cleaner to you know use it 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 grabs everybody's businesses listings from google itself so we don't have to worry about spelling um makes it easier to vote when you're going in there. You just have to press a button once a business is nominated. If there's not a business nominated, you can add one in there. That's what I wanted to yeah. talk about because people think that the nominees are happening no. by a panel and no, panel to no. judge. No, it's really what folks it's want organic, to put in there. completely, yeah. So scroll Nobody down far staff, enough, yeah. you'll see a button that says, don't see something you want to vote for? Add Click here. Yep. And so, folks, just saying, you can add a lot of things yeah. <laughs> a lot of different yeah. ways. How many different categories do you have? So using this software allowed us, we, we thought and correctly that the hundred readers picks that we had previously, we could expand it pretty easily. Yeah. 
it's going to, I say easily, but it's going to be a lot of work for our editorial department down the line. But we have about 375 categories this year. So it's, it's oh. massive. Um, so we'd expand something instead of just, you know, just best Mexican. We have best pozole, best. You know, burrito. Like you we go, go through we all go through the dishes yeah, and the find dishes, the best. That's a biz, biggest you're, section. Yeah. Well, you're really trying to take the temperature of the community mm-hmm. and that's right. crowdsource what's best. Right, right. Okay, so I want to talk a bit about City Weekly itself, though. Still hanging on, still turning out great alternative journalism. And your cover story that's up right now is about monumental change. Here we are yet again, Pete. But back and forth on the Bears Ears saga, right? Flipping administrations <laughs> and uh, flipping uh, authorizations, and then lawsuits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was just down south recently. I, I went to Capitol Reef, so I haven't I haven't gone through Bears Ears particularly, but that area is so massive. And when you talk to some locals down there, you, you get their perspective right. They don't want the feds touching their land, right? Mm. But in my view, I'm like. <laughs> what good has the state done with the lands, you know? And yeah. it, it's just so incredible to see down there. And it's, you know, uh, it, it is weird seeing it from people's perspective in that area, right? In the Capitol Reef area, particularly where I was a couple weeks ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, another flip-flop on, you know, back and forth between administrations. But, like, I hope we can keep these intact. These yeah. monuments are, are gorgeous, the land that you see is just it, it you can't replicate it and i feel like if it goes into the wrong hands unprotected then you know you're gonna have like if you drive into like park city then you get houses on top of the hill you know that's yeah. the kind of stuff that i that worries me particularly you want them on top of the butte no you want absolutely them on top of not. the bluff okay well bill cashler wrote this cover story after obama after trump the biden mm-hmm. chapter of the bears ears saga begins and utah of course right. signing on to it you and i were talking before we cracked the mics about what's going on in mississippi with yeah. water with um federal dollars that are supposed yeah. to go to helping people out of poverty disappearing and I was uh, reminded of how many local newspapers, whether they're alternative weeklies like yours or dailies, right. um, have gone away yeah. since the internet age. That's kind of what got me talking, thinking about like the locals' perspective in those areas versus like state control and federal control. Um, if you look at, people talk about what happens on a national scale regularly. Yeah. You can name off 20 different senators and re- representatives from wherever just by briefly paying attention to the news, but you can't name off 20 people from Utah. I, I can barely do that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm in the industry sort of, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, Mississippi, you're the one that told me that they're, they're out of water in Jackson. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like what kind of corruption is happening on a local level? And hey, you know, that you know, happens here in Zion. Who's reporting on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> you know, what's going on on a local level when, when you live in a, you know, news desert that they're called. It's like, hmm. you, you you don't know. You don't know what's happening in your backyard, and yeah. yet you think that what's happening on a federal level has more impact, right? Well, you're also telling me that you're one of the last independent uh, news outlets, uh, you know, that's held by essentially a family family business, right? Right, right. And uh, was that shocking for you to realize yeah. that yourself? Well, along the Wasatch Front, you know, we, we print up in Ogden. You know, mm-hmm. they're good partners of ours. You know, their ownership is out of Pittsburgh. You know, mm-hmm. they own the Ogden paper, Provo paper, Park City record, park record. Um, obviously, the two that we have here in Salt Lake, we're, we're fortunate in a way to have two dailies still with their semi dailies. It's all digital. <laughs> that's, they're that's daily, right? In my head, they're still daily. Yeah, online, <laughs> they're daily, you know, but there's a lot of places that don't have that. So mm-hmm. we along the Wasatch Front still have quite a bit. But if you look at it, like the, the locals that we have, the independents, us, slug utah stories mm. q i mean they're not that many and we don't have the firepower that you know the huntsman lds church or the ogden family have right like we're not all billionaires <laughs> <laughs> you're not a billionaire you don't have the billionaire money no. um, so what are your thoughts about the 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 future of local journalism because um it used to be that to really be a viable candidate for public office you had mm-hmm. to get the endorsement 
of the leading local papers and they would do their own opposition research to find out what was in your closet what skeletons might be there that would be embarrassing later not just for the paper should they endorse you but for the community and now it's like all bets are off it doesn't matter um what kind of and i'm not saying the skeletons should keep somebody from running for office lord knows i got mine but um uh there should be that vetting process i miss that vetting process i guess is what i'm saying and now yeah. politicians, to a large extent, no, I'm not going to answer your questions for the paper. You know, that, there are a few times when our news editors would come to me and be like, I can't get a hold of this guy. Uh, for the most part, I, you can look at a, a, a specific date. It was in 2015 when the fake news, you know, was starting to hammer mm-hmm. its ugly head. It's like people, when you, when you say something isn't true or trustworthy, like mm-hmm. enough, that does damage, you know, irreparable damage. Um, so whether they believe they need an endorsement from a newspaper or not, all they have to do is turn around and say, you're fake news anyway. You know, I don't care to, you know, I don't care to give my, my info to you, you know? Um, so I think on a national level, that's, that, that was not a good thing. You know, people lost, people legitimately lost trust in news organizations and that's not good. They lost trust in good journalists. But it's a symbiotic relationship, right? Right, right. So if you want to have trust in your local organizations, you got to support them. Right. So, I mean, as far as the future goes, we're not, I don't think us or KRCL or other like-minded or not like-minded, but, you know, independent orgs, I think it's not for a lack of, you know, listeners or readers. For us, it's a lack of access to resources in some cases, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. don't and do you have enough donors to have some good, you know, good segments going? Do yeah, because the enough? most expensive news is investigative journalism. That's right. The easiest news is the police blotter. Yeah. And then you wonder why all the news is about crime, murder and mayhem. Right. Right. Because that's what gets people to click on their websites, watch online. And there's a public source, a taxpayer-funded source of information, actually, that the press can turn to and say, I want the police report here, here, here. Listen to me. I worked both sides of the street. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've taken us way down another uh, rabbit hole here. But for, you know, best news source, just, you know, I'm going to go nominate City Weekly. How can folks (laughs) participate in the Best of Utah? And how long do they have to do it? How many times can they vote? Best of Utah is online until September 19th. So we're about 19, 18 days away, whatever, whatever day it is, <laughs> a little over two weeks. Um, you can go online, cityweekly.net slash best of Utah, and it'll give you a link right to the, the balloting software that we use. You register an account. Register an account, and you we, we will look through the, the end results and see we have a minimum requirement of 10 categories that you have to vote in. Mm-hmm. Um, so your email will only allow you to vote one time in a category, one time per category. Uh-huh. Um, and it locks you in. It so does you change lock your you mind. That is but you new. can go back and add more categories that you want to vote in. Correct. So okay. you can go in and, you know, you don't have to go through all 375 categories in one <laughs> sitting. You can come back and, you know, mm-hmm. give it a day, two days, however long until, until we close it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we kind of like that feature that they added, you know, you know, no take backs on your votes. <laughs> no take backs. I like that. All right. So the deadline is September 19th. And then you've picked a date for the Best of Utah Party. Yep. Best Utah Party, December 1st. And where's it going to be? We're, we're going to hold it at Charlie Square. Charlie Square. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for more details. Thanks for coming in, Pete. Folks, yeah. get your ballots in. And uh, to get us from here to Ayahuasca, it's a little devil's advocate. The Melons on KRCL.
Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Love Promise, a partnership with local nonprofit organizations to support and strengthen our community. Now accepting applications for 2023 nonprofit partnerships. More information on Mark Miller Subaru's Love Promise and application process at markmillersubaru.com. As Utah continues to break triple-digit heat records, remember you can escape the heat at Salt Lake County Cool Zones. These include county and city senior centers, rec centers, and libraries where you can cool off and hydrate. For a map of cool zone locations near you, visit the Connect page of krcl.org. Hey, Gavin Dahl here, KRCL's new executive director, inviting you to come down to KRCL's 909-day block party and record sale Friday, September 9th, from 4 to 8 p.m. Do some crate digging through the KRCL record sale, take a spin on an e-bike with Magnum Bikes, screen print a t-shirt with Rock Camp SLC, and check out Radioactive live from our parking lot with Utah band The Zissers. Community partners include Rise Up School of Dance, The Boys and Girls Club, Give Group, Guadalupe School, Odd Star Studios, Spy Hop, Tree Utah, and more. Sponsored in part by Mark Miller Subaru, join us Friday, September 9th from 4 to 8 p.m. here at KRCL 535 West 300 North. Details at krcl.org. And we hope to see you here. The Zizus will be playing live with us in the parking lot during Radioactive a week from tonight. And they're going to stick around and play another set. So come on down and have some fun with us on 909 Day here at KRCL. All right, we got mixed ayahuasca conversation coming up. But first, to Aldine, send in a bit of what's fresh for your farmer's market. Here we go. What's fresh today, Reno? Peaches. What do you got? Peaches. Peaches and grapes. And grapes. I see figs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm a, you say what is fresh today? Can I say all three of them? Yes, I want everything. Okay. I want so, everything. So there are some. The first grapes I'm picking because the birds are starting picking, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. And then the peaches, they are getting ripe and sweet, and they are a good time of the year to have it. And the figs, they are coming, you know. They're beautiful. They, they are coming. They're there are some red mission, and then there is a white one that is coming in a week or so. And no. I see you have tomatoes. What about tomatoes this year? Well, tomatoes has not been a good year, but we still arrange to have some of them. Uh, a lot of them, they are grape tomatoes that I have. The small, they are ve- the small one, and they are very sweet. And it seems that they survived uh, some of the disease and the hot weather. They are a little more resistant, you know. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I'm... Uh, mostly today, I like to sell. What, them, what about the wine? When are we going to make the wine? The wine... This is the wrong question to do to me. My bishop doesn't like that. (laughs) 
Thanks, Reno. He's here at the Downtown Farmer's Market every Saturday. Wow. Reno's Garden Fresh. <laughs> Look for Reno's on the east side, the third west side of Pioneer Park, which is downtown Salt Lake between 300 and 400 west and 300 and 400 south. Starts tomorrow 8 to 2. And, of course, there are farmer's markets up and down the Wasatch Front. Check tonight's show notes for a link. All right. Mick Huerta, formerly of Utah, now in the Sacred Valley in La Paz. He has been working on a book about ayahuasca for oh, about seven years. And we've talked with him on and off over the years here on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. As he's been putting together his research and the different stories of living in the Amazon. And now it's got it all together. So earlier this week... Uh, Aldon and I Zoomed with him to get the lowdown, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this evening is with McQuerta, and his book is called Ayahuasca, and here we go. Okay, well, hello. My name is Mick Huerta, and uh, this is my new book. It will be published out this, uh, this weekend, and it's called Ayahuasca, uh, The Amazon Path to Yourself, and... Uh, and so it five years of running the rivers uh, in the Amazon and uh, doing that on, on large cargo boats, sometimes canoes, other times in little needle, long needle boats with, uh, with huge like twin outboard motors and uh, still going up river uh, 18 hours just to get to a small place because the Ashaninka or another tribe was living there, and I never just arrived, because to uh, to go onto people's land is uh, is seen as an intrusion, and so you need an invitation, and so there's an equivalent, I guess, in the American West. There was uh, trespassers will be shot. Well, <laughs> in the Amazon, if you because there have been missionaries who insist on contacting tribes that don't want to be contacted. And uh, I'm told that many of them don't make it back. And uh, if you're shot with an arrow and you're slipped into the Amazon, the piranha do the rest. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Not much left. Nick, we've been talking to you on and off for, I think, all these five years as you put this book together, right, Al? We've been talking to you for a while about ayahuasca, Mick, but how about just a, how did, how, let's go back farther. How did you get transported to living and making your residence in South America? You've lived there for over 20 years? Yes. And uh, I was working uh, with, with nonprofit or not, not, uh, not other or, uh, civil society organizations that have nothing to do with governments and that kind of thing. So I've worked with a whole variety of them and uh, have done everything from uh, uh, eye exams for children that are living 5,000 meters and above. I mean, that's, that there's not a lot of filter for the light, it burns the retina. Also in conjunction with some, uh, with Danish doctors, medical checkups for children, once again at altitude, and all. And it turns out we we did the program for years. The children are anemic and uh, and they don't have enough vitamin C. And so I've never ever heard of children having precursors of scurvy, uh, but it exists at altitude. And uh, going back to eye exams, you can't learn a thing if you can't see the board. So there's all kinds of little things that uh, have been involved in that that basically attend to just basic human needs i was uh, with this time of being in south america and then working in the andes the coca leaves are grown all over here and in my time over 20 years i saw a leaf that was used as a sacred leaf a gift from mother nature from pachamama and it was given to the people so they could survive at high altitude. Then, all of a sudden, there was the advent of, of uh, cocaine tourism. People were showing up, flying in to do coke at closer to its epicenter, not only cheaper, but much stronger. And, uh, and then all the dangers and all of the social woes that came along with that. 
I spent two years writing a book, Snowblind in the Andes, addressing from the sacred to an abuse. Well, uh, one uh, shaman told me this is an aberration. The green is the gift, the white is the aberration. And so it took me two years going uh, through Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Bolivia, going to the areas where they were growing the leaf in a sacred way. Then there are other places where they're growing it in huge bulk because they need a lot of leaves that come down to a little bit of cocaine. And then in writing that book, that's how I ended up at a, uh, a rehab center that's close to Lake Titicaca. And uh, the amazing Andes, and here are all these addicts in the middle of nowhere, hardly any oxygen, and they're working on themselves, looking to be better tomorrow than they are today. And I met people who, you know, had spun out and other people whose noses had caved in. And these were interviews that I was doing for the Snowblind. And uh, the director there had been in touch with a director of a place in Peru, Jacques Mabi. And uh, Jacques Mabi has sort of 25 years of doing a standard 12-step program for alcoholics and drug addicts. And they have, for 25 plus years, they've added ayahuasca as a 13th step. So I had been an author. I was already, I already knew the, uh, the people that were in this rehab center at Lake Titicaca. And I was asked if I would like to attend the first ayahuasca ceremony at the Life Center, Pucorani, in Bolivia at altitude. And, um, and I said yes. And I didn't know, I didn't quite know what I had gotten myself into. And uh, I got onto the internet. And then all of a sudden, it was like a huge whammy is that when I was 17 years old, I had borrowed the, the, the Yahi letters from William S. Burroughs. And I had read that, I was really wowed by that, that he had come into Colombia and he had arrived in Peru at Pucallpa, a place where I had gone, and Che Guevara had gone through there. It was, it, it, this is one of those, those places as you're traveling the rivers you go to. But William S. Burroughs had been in the jungle looking for his final fix. He was looking to get past heroin addiction. And um, all of a sudden, I put Yahe together with ayahuasca. I'm going into a drug rehab center to do my first ayahuasca ceremony, which is sort of an oxymoron. <laughs> you go to a drug rehab center to do your first uh, psychoactive, uh, what they call the jungle brew boogaloo, you know, and uh, and uh, and actually with that, that that was a, a flash of light, it changed the direction of my life. Uh, I did not know that I was going to write this book, but uh, having the ayahuasca experience was such an eye-opener for me that it not only invited me, but inspired me to no more do more. And in my research, I found out that the cosmic serpent that all the natives in the jungle that believe in the cosmic serpent because she gave us life. But it's a feminine energy. Ayahuasca, feminine energy, doing more research. I found the Shipibo Conibo people who were in the Pucampa area and they are matrilocal, that means, and, and matrilineal, is that all the wealth goes from generation to generation to the women in the family. And the women live in compounds, they raise the children, men have a role, but the women are elevated because they control the land, they control the money. And I thought, there's feminine power. This is my aperture. I'm going to Pucallpa. And I was in Canada at the time and I was doing all the research. And so I came down from Newfoundland to, to Lima and took a bus over the Andes into the Amazon and I didn't know any, I've never been to Pucallpa before, and I didn't know any Shipibos. And then a whole series of fortuitous little events. I would meet one person who would 
put me in contact with two more and then became five and all the rest. When I first started and I was doing the research, I saw a photo, it was sort of in blue, of an older woman who was a, a shaman, generations and generations in her family. I saw that photo and I thought, wow, I was just really taken with this image of this, of this uh, older shaman. And she was in her 80s when this picture was taken. And uh, inadvertently, within three months of arriving, I was living outside of the city of Pucallpa in a jungle area. And I was living with a Shipibo family. And then it turned out that uh, the aunt, so matriarchal figure, an aunt came. And it was the very same woman in the photo I had seen in Canada. And even without looking for her, I found her. And so the synchronicity of all of that, and I only give you that little nugget because that's the beginning. Right from there, everything turns out to be a synchronicity. And beyond co uh, uh, coincidental, there's a synchronicities beyond and invitations to live with tribal people in their places, traveling rivers to get there. And the jungle sort of vets the people that you're going to, there are people that come for a week and they do a river cruise and they get the hell out. But the people who, who travel live and, uh, and who spend time there uh, are a special, a special group of people that have been vetted by the, uh, the Amazon jungle. The rainforest makes sure that it's a certain type of person that, that's there. Ayahuasca is in vogue in Western media among football players. And you even sent me some information that a local Mormon leader and former GOP uh, member advocates ayahuasca after a faith affirming psychedelic experience. Yeah. But for you, this has been a long journey in trying to not only understand it and therefore share it with the rest of the world, but to preserve the ceremony aspect of it, because here in America, we like to consume things, right? And yes. you want folks to understand a bit about the spirituality of this ceremony. Well, this is the thing is that when, when something becomes a co commodity, what cost, what cost is authenticity? What does authenticity cost? And uh, it's interesting as Gwyneth Paltrow on her Goop site, she has a link and she's promoting a very posh resort where you fly in and I guess it's spa massage and I, I don't know, uh, aromatherapy too, and I'm not, not to make fun of, of it. But you know, what I've seen is that, is that if you're gonna come into the jungle, you, you have to ask yourself some questions. Is that, um, is that do I need language support? Uh, am I really talkative? And, and after, after searching my soul, do I need someone to talk to and talk it out? Or do I sit quietly? And because the, the indigenous think that if you are disrupted by the ceremony, that means you need more ceremonies and you keep going with the ceremonies until you come to peace. Whereas there are people who believe they can fly into the jungle, have one or three ceremonies, they'll be back to their office on Monday and they're worried about integration. It was never... I don't think the sense of, of ayahuasca or, or any of the master plans, the healing plans, because there are diets, and I've, I've only done you know, two weeks at a time. Some people do a month, and you eat almost nothing, and bobansana is uh, chirisanango. There are all of these, uh, these plants that reinforce characteristics. And... Just along those lines, uh, I was in a place and there was a financier who had come from London and he had done his research. He knew what he wanted to do. He wanted this, 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 and how much did that cost? And uh, the shaman that was speaking to him told him, I said, well, I said, what you need first is this, and then we'll talk about the other. And this fellow, he was very sure of himself. And uh, he sort of stamped off and other people that were there went to him and said, well, you flew all this way. This guy is from a family of shamans. 
maybe you should listen to him if you're going to get the most out of this experience. So he fumed, he slept on it. He came back the next morning and he, and he went into a Wachuma diet for one week, which is heart chakra, rather than all mind, all finance, all you know, logic and A plus B equals cash and I want what I want. And uh, he softened, had a bit more empathy. And then he went into an ayahuasca ceremony and I remember him, I remember seeing him smiling. And I just thought, well, you know, sometimes you just have to listen to somebody else rather than your own hard head. And uh, so stacks and stacks of stories. So if you're on the river for, for five years, you get to interact with all kinds of people. And there are some people who have come because they they want to unleash their creativity. And then there, uh, I met a young woman who had been raped as a child and she was just struggling to, um, to have confidence, confidence in herself and confidence in the world. And so she had told me, I said, I understand a lot now, but I understand my, my road is very, very long. And then she had all the self-harm all the razor scars on the interior of her arms. So as a, uh, she, she hated her body and all the things that the outside world wants to do to you because of your body. And so uh, a long road, yes, but she told me that she finally had, she had been in therapy and all the rest, but she finally had a path. She had some way, she had found something that would allow her to move forward. And so in these stories, and of Westerners coming and being healed. I also was living with indigenous people who don't, they see this as a, uh, a cornucopia of medicine that comes directly out of the rainforest. And there is even aspirin, tonic water, where you, you know, you, uh, you, were, you drank tonic and that was quinine, quinine, and that's what helped build the Panama Canal. People didn't fall to malaria when they were drinking the bark of a particular plant. All of these come out of the jungle, but we are slash burning and we are putting, we're clear cutting fields so that we can grow more hamburgers. And not to say anything against anybody who eats meat or anything of the sort, but we have to understand the impact of everything we do. And when the indigenous get in the way, they're trying to protect lands that have been designated to them. And it's, this is not only in Brazil, but this is all over, is that there's encroachment on indigenous lands and they're clear cutting and we're destroying the very plants that heal us. Speaking of that encroachment, I'm sure you saw the news story about the last member of an uncontacted tribe in Brazil yes. has died. And so when I look at your new book, and Al, it's a travelogue, so you get to go along on this journey, and there's amazing photos and these stories. Mick, I, um, I, know, you've, I know you've partaken in this experience many times, and I've read a little bit about it, and I, I know it's an out-of-body experience, that has something to do with it, but it kind of shows you your place in the whole scheme of things. Um, can you explain it a little bit? Well, the ayahuasca is a Quechua term and it means the, the rope of death, but it's more like the ego death, like the uh, pumped up ego of self. In the experience, what you, what you, what you realize is that you're interconnected with all things to the point where you are actually all things and all things are you. You cannot do damage to someone else without damaging yourself. You cannot inflict pain without inflicting, without doing yourself damage. It goes on and on. And so um, the, the ceremonies, the people come out of these with, with, uh, and I've seen indigenous people. I've mostly been with indigenous people in ceremony, but I have done ceremonies with other Western people. I don't know what to call it, foreign, foreigners, 
people who come from outside of the jungle who come to do ceremonies, and it's not part of their cultural background. Maybe it's better put that way. And people in the morning are humble, smiley. Um, usually there's a bit of fruit and people sit around and it's almost like a, a little bit of communion as you eat mango or papaya eats and have some uh, watermelon. If you come out of this experience and you have empathy and you feel the, the, the connectivity with, with all beings, with all things, is that what if world leaders it was required of them to go through a series of, of ceremonies before they're giving, uh, given the button for the nuclear bomb, before, before you decide that Ukraine is actually historically part of your empire, and it doesn't matter what the people think that live there. And <laughs> they have no opinion. <laughs> uh, is it, I, it, it would seem that you know a lot of uh, the conflicts in the world would be resolved because you understand that aggression gets no one anything. And uh, it's better to listen rather than dictate or throw your dogma at somebody. And, uh, and maybe before you, you have the pretenses of, of uh, leading a flock of people, any church, if you would commune with, with, uh, with God and the universe and then get back, get back to your flock and then begin speaking to them about kindness, loving thy neighbor, doing unto others and judging not. And so if we all got back to some kindness, maybe the world would be a little nicer place. And then five, year, five years on, on the river is a lot of thoughts. And, you know, the, and when you go through heat and humidity and then it rains and you're wet and you're cold and then there's a trillion biting insects that are part of your daily existence. Um, and then, you know, the, the two years of pandemic, I was in Pucallpa and I, I fell in that first wave of uh, COVID and I was well away from a hospital and there was a woman, Beatrice, and I, I'll, be, uh, I'll be there in a, in a week and I'm gonna look for her because I believe she saved my life. And she did it with plants and bark and, and leaves and she would boil things. And I, would, I had to drink this morning, noon and night uh, I was four days very, very ill, very high fever, and nowhere near a hospital. And they were telling me that any hospitals there, because the indigenous people didn't have as much resistance, and, and the hospitals were full, and the corridors were full. And so there was just nothing for us to do. And Beatrice, she came on the fourth day, and she would put me in a chair, boil up a bunch of things after the sun would go down and put the pot between my legs and wrapped me in a tarp and told me you're 30 minutes in there and the the lungs my lungs would clear and you know I, you know because uh, she was clearing me out every day as soon as the sun went down and she would give me massages that uh, the alcohol had been uh, plants have been macerated so there was herbal and she's and in part, you know, the alcohol is taking the heat out of your body, but I was just really, I mean, really uptight, and, you know, I just didn't know what was going on with my body. So she was with me uh, maybe eight days, and then finally the fever cracked, and, um, and it was interesting is that the plant people are not trained doctors. They have been living with the plants and listening to the plant spirits for millennia. And I asked them, how did you put together this with that? How do you, like ayahuasca, there are hundreds of thousands of vines and there's all these plants. How do you get the correct tune to make this medicine? Or, do, or how do you know that, that this with this will, and it's sort of an antiseptic kind of thing. I've seen people uh, like infected eyes in three days of application of, uh, of a tea that's an infusion that's been made of, of things. There are healing eyes in the middle of the jungle, no access to an ointment, no clinic, no doctor, no nurses, no, no one trained. And, and they say that they listen, they listen to the plants. The plants are there to help us. The plants want to help. We just have to listen. And uh, 
I find it I find it powerful. And we're not listening to any of any of them from the Western world. So your your book is to be published this weekend. We'll put a link in the show notes so folks can find ayahuasca, the Amazon path to yourself. But there's a companion book, the magic people of ayahuasca that you're working on next, correct? Yes. And uh, and as you made mention, the first one is a travelogue, and you know, there are a lot of stories, and it's basically my learning process uh, as well with the teachers who were there, who readily, you know, if you are open to learn, then you know, they are there to teach. And as jokingly said, is that when the uh, when the student is ready, the the teacher is there. Well, is that when the uh, when the, the student is ready, the teacher plans. Are, are right there to uh, assist us. And so the magic people of ayahuasca, initially in my mind, it was the people that, uh, the tribal peoples, but with, within time, and you know, I have seven years in this now, is that I think the, the magic people of ayahuasca are the people who have been freed. No one's free if you're chained to the past. So if you have a trauma and you always revisit this past, this trauma, this traumatic event, you're chained to that past and you have fear based on the beatings you received, the psychological trips, the sexual, whatever the abuse was, you keep going back to that moment until you do something to heal that moment and be freed of that. And so no one, no free person is chained to the past. So when is it time to let go? Well, right now, well, how do you do that? Well, in part for me, this is a process of freeing myself as well from anxieties and, and a whole list of the litany of stuff, the human frailty, but we all suffer this. It's all part of the, the human, exi uh, human existence and human experience. But what I have found in these, these seven years and uh, with my time with these indigenous people who have taught me much, many of them uh, don't read, but they listen to the jungle. They can read a day. They know exactly what the weather is. They, the the uh, the knowledge that they have of flora and fauna is is incredible. Mick, we could talk forever. Where there's so many things, I you know, we could talk. You're in the Sacred Valley. We could talk about seeds and plants and chocolate and hot sauce and all kinds of things. We'll have to have you back again. Remind folks about your book and where it can be where where you will be able to get it. So this weekend, the, the book will be available at Amazon.com. You plug in the Huerta app for the fact. And then this is my fifth book. And it is called Ayahuasca, the Amazon Path to Yourself. And then there's a little subtitle as William S. Burroughs and Beyond uh, to it as well. But um, yeah, this weekend available and uh, all the stories and all the plant medicines and some some wonderful, beautiful indigenous people who have a lot to teach us are uh, detailed in there. And that is our conversation with McQuerta, author of the new book, Ayahuasca, The Amazon Path to Yourself. And he hopefully will be in town in November. Hopefully we can arrange perhaps a book signing for those of you that are interested in his book, which he also calls a South American travelogue with ayahuasca and ghosts. Thanks for listening to our show tonight. On behalf of Aldine and all of our guests, thanks for plugging into your community. On Monday, a Labor Day special with John Arthur, 2021 Teacher of the Year, plus a Magnify Utah mashup with Music Meets Activism, featuring Senator Janie Iwamoto, a state senator, and Dr. Jeanette Misaka on the Japanese community, healing, resilience, and organizing. And then, of course, a week from tonight, live from our very own 909-day block party and record sale, join us in the parking lot here at KRCL for Punk Rock Farmer Friday, featuring fresh, homegrown music from the Zizus, What's Fresh at the Utah State Fair, Farm to Cocktail Fun with Salt Lake Magazine, and so much more. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening. Going out with some homegrown music right here. What a time to be alive. It's the Melons on KRCL. <laughs>
Hello, children. You know who I am. I know who you are. And we all know who the who are. KRCL's Music Meets Movies is back. Returning on Thursday, September 8th at Ruby Cinema Pub in Salt Lake City, we'll be screening the most often requested film for Music Meets Movies, the Who documentary, The Kids Are Alright. This 1979 film documents the Who through live performances, promotional films, and interviews spanning 1964 to 1978. The film also features the band's last performance with the legendary drummer Keith Moon. The Kids Are Alright, Thursday, September 8th at Ruby Cinema Pub in Salt Lake City. One screening only, tickets at 6.30, movie at 7.30, information at krcl.org. KRCL, Salt Lake City.